so what, what we're going to be taking a look at is, is the two things that, that are both natures and attributes of God that seem to be contradictory to one another. But they actually work together really well. Because on one hand, people say, oh, God's a God of justice and God's a God of wrath, which, by the way, he is. It's wrong to say that he's not. But then you'll read another verse, and the Bible's like, oh, God's a God of mercy. He's, he's a God of forgiveness. Okay, well, he's that too. So how in the world do those two things meet up? Like, where's, where's the, the boundary between those? I'm even going to talk to you about why I even, even thought of this. I had, I had somebody point out to me something from last week. I'm like, man, I didn't even think about Addre addressing this. So I feel like this is a little bit carryover from last week, and it's also something that needs to be addressed. So, so we'll talk about this. But let's first start with prayer. Ask the Lord for his help with his word and with our minds, and then we'll jump in. Lord, again, we want to thank you. We're, we're in this Thanksgiving time. Lord, we want to uh, express our thankfulness to you for how good you are to us. Thank you for making us, for loving us, for dying for us, for redeeming us. And Lord, for preparing a home for us eternally, and we look forward to that day where we can be there with you. Lord, I ask that you'd help us now with this scripture. Now, may we have a good understanding of the different parts of the Bible and how it all interworks together. And Lord, I pray that you just help us to apply it to our lives adequately and appropriately. Lord, we do love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I, I want to I draw a real quick picture to you. Let's imagine you were to go to a library. Okay? And when you get to that library, you find a whole section on Canadian law. Okay? Like it's an actual law book, and you can pull that off, and it's in English, and, and you can read it, and you can read all the laws of Canada. Now, you as an American, what are you going to learn out of that law book? You're going to say, oh, okay, well, the Canadians believe this. This is their law. This is what's right for them. This is what's wrong for them. This is, wow, we're really different than they are this way and that way. You'll, you'll learn a lot about their culture. You'll learn a lot about what they think is what's right and what's wrong. Now, are you as an American held to the standards of Canadian law? Well, no, you're not a Canadian. You're an American. But what can you learn when you read it? You can learn how the author or the government of Canada thinks. You can learn the way their, you can learn probably even where some of their morals are what they think is a right and what they think is not a human right. You, you can learn a lot about them by reading their law book. Similarly, though not entirely, we need to look at the book of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and some of these books in the Old Testament. We need to similarly read those as Israeli law books. When I read those, I say, oh, okay, here's Israel's law. This is what Moses said. This is what they say is what's right and what's wrong. These are the punishments for breaking those crimes. Now I ask myself, am I a Jew? No. So as an American, I'm not held to the Jewish law. But I can know how God thinks because God's the author of it. I can see that, oh, God thinks that murder is wrong because he put that in there. God thinks that his people need to look different because he talked about how they need to be separate from the world. God thinks that... Um, Man, the Bible talks about even in that scripture, men dressing like women and women dressing like men. The Bible calls that an abomination. Oh, I know that's wrong because God put it in Israel's law. So I learn from it because God's the one that wrote it, but I'm not held to Israel's judicial system. This is why I'm even bringing that up today because someone brought out a really good point to me last week that I felt like needed to be addressed, and it comes down to the heart of this matter. Last week we talked about adultery 
And when you go back to the book of Deuteronomy in chapters 22 and 24 there, it talked about how if someone commits adultery based off of Israeli law, they're guilty of death. Or they're, they're excuse me, they're, um, they're deserving of death. That is the punishment. If you are found guilty of this, the punishment for this crime is death. Okay, but then you get over to the woman that she was caught in adultery, and there's Jesus standing before her. Now, at that moment, they're under Roman rule. But there's, there she is. She's, she's been caught in adultery. And here the Pharisees come. They throw on the ground. Oh, Jesus, here she is. She's been caught. What do you say? Now, Jesus looks at him and says, all right, those of you that are innocent, you can cast the first stone. And they all turned around and left. And then Jesus said, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. Okay, so now where's the disconnect? Because the law said she was supposed to die. The law that God gave said she was supposed to die. Now Jesus is saying, we need to forgive her. So where's the two? And then that kind of relates even back to us. Oh, the Bible says that adultery is worthy of death. Now Jesus is saying we're supposed to forgive the adulterous spouse. How does that work? Okay, you're looking at two different contexts. You're looking at two different avenues from two different places. And what I want to show you is the purpose of the law. Okay, we have to have the law. But even though we're called to forgiveness, we need both because God is both. That's what we're going to look at. So it's an important distinction. We need to understand these before we can actually get in uh, to understanding the full scope of the scripture. So we said first about this law. And I haven't even got to the scripture yet, but I promise you I will get there. We can actually go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. And that will help us be prepared for it. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter number 6. Romans, chapter number 6. And that will probably be our first verse. While you're turning there, I want to... I want to express something to you. You, you say you're out here, you're driving on the road. And uh, you, you've got this road, you've got your car. If there were no speed limit signs um, at all, I mean across the board at all, if there were no speed limit signs, would you know that there was a speed limit? Well, probably not. And unless, unless you talk about the if it's an otherwise posted law, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about in general. If there were no signs, there would be no ruling on that. Okay, to that point, the only way that we can know if something is sin or not is if God has showed us that that thing is a sin or not. We need to know what perfection looks like so we have something that we're aiming at. So, like, I talked about how doing what God wants us to do is, like, say you're out at a shooting match somewhere, and you, man, you've got your bullseye, and you want to shoot, and you want to hit that bullseye. How are you going to know what the bullseye is if there's no target? You see what I'm saying? That, that's kind of the purpose of the law. God had to give us the law so we would know what perfection looks like. Otherwise, we have no guide. We have, no, we have nothing to look at. We don't know what righteousness is. We don't know how God wants us to be. We would know nothing. I'm going to give you some verses for that in a minute. So, if there are no rules, you can't know what right and wrong is to begin with. That's a very important thing. So now here we are in 623. We're going to take that further. If there are no rules, then there is no punishment. Romans 623, the Bible says this. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord man right there they are they're both in one verse 
The wages of sin is death. If you sin, you get to die. Well, you deserve death. You deserve your punishment. You've broken the law, death, done. Oh, but God also wants to help you live forever. So now there's God in both of them. How are we ever going to stand before God and give an account for our lives if no standard for how we're supposed to live was ever given? You see, now that wouldn't be very fair. It, it wouldn't be fair for a person to stand trial. Oh, you've committed this crime. Oh, really? Where's that crime written? How, how, do we, how do we know that's a crime? I'll tell you something very interesting about you know, some of the other stuff that I do with my other job. Well, when, you are, when someone is going to stand trial, one of the jobs for them to be able to even stand trial to begin with for a crime is you have to have the letter of the law right there, and you have to have evidence that that law was broken because of this, 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 this. Here are the facts. This is where it was broken. You have to be able to present that. So if there is nothing there to show that this law was broken, you, you, have, to have, you have to have the standard. You have to have the measuring stick of did you cross that line or did you not. Folks, that's the purpose of the law. It is the measuring stick. It is the standard. It is the bullseye. Without that, we don't have anything to aim at. So the Lord had to give us that. So now when we see this, the wages of sin is death. Okay, what sin? How did we know that was sin? Folks, the Lord did that all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 through 3. As soon as he made Adam and Eve, Adam, Eve, here's a tree. I'm giving you one rule, one. Don't eat that piece of fruit. <laughs> they wouldn't eat the fruit. So now they've sinned. And now they have to be held accountable for their sin. The whole purpose of their eat, and this is, this is a question I asked when I was a kid. And, and follow my reasoning here. I was like, okay, God was perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. They were in a perfect place. Why did God even give them a rule? It was just fruit. I mean, really. And, that, and that, was, that was my question as a kid. And even thinking back to it now, legitimate question. Why would God even give them the opportunity to sin? Okay. Here's why. Because there has to be a standard. There has to be an option to follow God. God does not force anyone to love him. God does not force anyone to obey him. I made this really, really silly example in our Sunday school class this morning. If I told my kid, any of them, says, son, it's time for bed. Go lay down in your bed. Uh, you know, we're going to turn the lights off. Don't get up, right? Because no kid ever gets out of bed on their own. So don't get up. I have the physical option of wrapping them up in duct tape like a mummy and taping them to their bed. Now, would that be very loving of me? No. Would that show that they love me and are obeying me out of choice? No. I have now forced it. You see, that's what God does. God loves us so much that, yes, he has the power and he has the sovereign ability to, to enact his will, but that's not what love does. Love says, I want you to choose to do right. I want you to choose to love me. So even in the Garden of Eden, where everything was already perfect, God says, you have to have the choice. Here is one rule. Prove to me that you're going to love me and obey me. The choice is still yours. There has to be a standard. 
Something has to be there that shows it's a choice. So then they sinned, and now you're in a sin-cursed world, and oh man, from that point forward, now that sin's in the earth, that curse ran rampant. And God says, okay, now I have to show you what the actual standards of perfection are based off of your sinful heart. Here's the law. And everybody's looking at that going, how are we ever going to obey all of that? And that's the point. We can't. That's the point. There's no way anyone could ever meet that standard. I'm going to give you some scripture for that in a minute, too. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Absolutely. If there is something God's going to hold us accountable to, if we are accountable for our sin, we have to know what that standard is. So he gave it to us, and he showed us what even the punishment for those sins are, some of which being death. Now, again, realize you're reading it under the context of that country. So some of the things going on in that country were actually very judicial and specific to them, but I still see what God's heart is about it. So Romans 6.23, the punishment shown in the Old Testament were part of that system to show us how egregious sin is. Let's go to um, Galatians 3.23. Galatians 3.23. And here's, can, can I get this out of our head here too? Um, let's not think that, oh man, and, and I think we're even going to get into this in, when we're in the book of Matthew. God says that if you break one law, well, the law is now broken. It, it, as, as far as the standard of being, being a sinner and not, you either have kept 100% of the law or you have failed. It's an all or nothing kind of situation. So what God has even said is when it comes to this, the wages of sin is death. Have you ever told a lie? Okay, then you've broken the law. You deserve death. Have you ever lusted in a way that you shouldn't? You've broken the law. The wages is death. I mean, that's, it's either perfection or it's not. Pick one. Now, I get it. And then the Bible even shows us this. Different sins have different consequences. Running over a mailbox does not require the same payment as murdering someone does. But... You're either keeping the law or you're not, is what God's saying. Let's look at Galatians chapter number 3, verse number 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So here again, what's the purpose of the law? To show you that you need someone to help you with it. It was our schoolmaster. So when I look at the law... And by the way, how many of you have done this? How many of you have ever committed, well, we even call it a sin. How many of you have ever sinned? And then when you read the Bible, you look back and you're like, that was a sin? I had no idea. I, I didn't know. I didn't know at the time that was God's standard. I messed up. Man, I've, I've done that. There are things I've done that at the time I didn't know. But the thing is, when I look at that, I understand, man, there is no way I could measure up to God's perfection. And that's what we're supposed to think. So the whole idea of, and this is another thing, ladies and gentlemen, if you're ever witnessing to someone that's lost, or even you yourself, if you ever feel like giving up as a Christian because I'll just never live up, I'll just never live up to it. I could never 
measure up to who God wants you to be. It's almost like God is saying, good, I know you can't. And that's what I want you to recognize. Folks, the, the, the moment we recognize we can't be perfect, now we are set up for salvation. Recognizing that you can't do it yourself, and God's got to pay the debt for you. That's what salvation is. So don't ever let Satan crawl up on your shoulder and say, see, I told you you weren't good enough. You can say, yeah, I know. That's why God paid for it. That's the whole point of grace. That's the whole point of mercy. We can't do any of that. So the law, what is it? It's our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. It's what teaches us how righteousness works. Now, I'm going to hit you with one more. This is profound but important. Let's go to Psalms chapter 86. Psalms chapter 86. This is another one of those verses I think that's probably worth memorizing if you make a habit of that. Psalms chapter 86, verse number 5. Psalm 86, 5. For thou, O Lord, art good, watch this, and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Man, I love that. It's like God is in heaven with this giant bucket of forgiveness, ready to dump it out on someone, whoever is going to come and ask for it. That's, that's the way forgiveness is. The problem is we are so stubborn, we don't want to go and admit that we were wrong. But God is ready to give us mercy. Now, here's the thing about mercy. How could God ever be merciful if we, didn't have, if we didn't have anything that he could show mercy towards? I don't feel like I'm asking that right or presenting that right. But let's say you've got a judge and you've got a guy here. He's, he's a murderer. And, man, the judge says, hey, I am, I am going to be merciful on your sentence. I am not going to sentence you. In fact, you are forgiven. How could the judge ever do that? if he wasn't guilty of the law to begin with. See, that's my point. The only way God could ever show mercy is if there was some kind of standard that we had broken. So you've got to have a standard before there's ever even mercy. It's just like light. There is no way you could ever know what light is if there was no darkness. You could never know what darkness was if there was not any light. There has to be a contrast. If you've got one side of a coin, you've got the other. In order for God to show mercy... There had to be a standard for him to show mercy on. So he had to set up the law first. You have to have both. And so the neat thing about this is this very thing. God was having a conversation with Nicodemus up on the rooftop. I mean, I love that conversation in John 3. And then Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, I'm not coming to this world to condemn the world. He's like, I'm come to forgive them of sin. And then he says, if a person doesn't believe, he's condemned already. If a person doesn't believe, he's condemned already. Wow. Folks, this is the whole, the whole purpose of that. God was expressing to Nicodemus right there that all across this world, every single person is already standing as guilty. The question is, who's going to go and ask for mercy? That's the question. Did, did you see it right there in the end of verse number five? Look at it. 
For thou, O Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy. To who? Unto all them that come, or excuse me, unto all them that call upon thee. You know who can have mercy? Whoever goes and asks for it. If you want mercy, go and ask for it. The problem is most people, they just look at God and they're like, yeah, I don't need God. I don't need his mercy. I don't need his forgiveness. Really what they're saying is, I'm not accountable to him. And they fail to recognize that God's the one that they're going to stand before one day. And because they've never received mercy, they're going to stand before God. And then he'll say, okay, then you're held to the letter of the law. You have not been found to have been given mercy. Therefore, you're now held to this standard. You're guilty here. You're guilty here. You're guilty here. You're guilty here. Because there's no mercy. See how that works? There has to be a standard before mercy can ever be applied. And this is the standard to which, uh, to which sin is shown. Now, again, not necessarily judicially in all points because it's an Israeli document, but we see the mind of God through it. So Psalms 86.5, God wants to forgive. God wants to show mercy to anyone that comes and asks for it. Now, let's go back to Romans. And we're going to get into where we come into play with this. Romans 12.19. I'm going to go back and talk a little bit more about the whole um, uh, adultery and death thing here, too. Romans 12, 19. Romans chapter 12, verse number 19. This is, a, um, this is another one of those things where when Jesus taught, he taught things differently. Like when he said, okay, your enemies, yeah, you know the people that hate you? You need to love them. You know the people that use you? You need to pray for them. You know the people that want to sue you and take away your coat? Go ahead and give them your cloak with it. That's, that's different. We're going to get into that in a little bit in Matthew 5, and I'm excited about it. But Romans 12, 19, this is another one of those things. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. All right. Here's what, here's what we want. When someone wrongs us, don't we want justice? Yeah. Is justice a good thing? Absolutely it is. God's a God of justice. Uh, if you go to, I think it's in Revelation, oh, what's that chapter? I can't even remember. But there's a group of people in heaven, the Bible talks about, John saw these people. They were martyred. They were murdered for the cause of Christ. And now here they are in heaven. And you know what they're asking the Lord? God, uh, John records this conversation. They say, Lord, how long are you going to wait before you go and bring down your wrath on those people? They killed us. They murdered us for you. When are you going to enact your justice? Justice is not a wrong thing. However, whose job is it to deliver the justice? It's God's. Folks, justice is not with us. We are held accountable to the law just like everyone else is. God is the judge. He is the one that judges me, and he's the one that judges my brother. He is the one that judges me just like he's the one that judges the people that victimized me. So while I want justice, maybe someone did something to me. 
Maybe someone did something to my children, and in my mind, I need to retaliate that. God says, whoa, they'll have their day. That's between me and them. And folks, this is the sad part about being a victim. We are sometimes the victim of other people's sin. What I need to recognize is they'll have their day before God Almighty, and God will be more just than even I am. Watch this. How many of you, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but you, you know the illustration. How many of you have ever seen two brothers or siblings, and man, they start fighting with one another, and they're, they're squabbling over something, and one child actually did something very much wrong to the other child. Is it the other child's job to punish his brother? No. Nope. Whose job is it? Dad's. Folks, that's, that's the way we are. When I have another human, another person that does something to me, I am hurt. I am the victim. Now I bow up my back and I want revenge. The Bible says vengeance is his. That person will one day stand before God. What am I commanded to do? I'm commanded to forgive. See how the two work? Yes, justice is a thing. Justice is with God. Justice is something that they will stand before God themselves for. It's my job to forgive because I am commanded to forgive. And we actually see that in the two persons of Jesus Christ. Yes, there are three, but we're not talking about the Holy Spirit yet. Right now, we're talking about God the Father. God the Father, Jehovah, he is the one that gave the law. He is the one that gave the law to Israel, that Israel worshiped. He is the one that showed us that standard. But then when Jesus came as a man, he taught to his followers, forgive one another, love one another. Your brother over there, you need to love them. Hey, love your father, follow me. I will show you what forgiveness looks like. And Jesus walked the earth forgiving and loving while God the Father is in heaven realizing that one day there will be justice. Both have their place. We just have to recognize the place that they need to be put in. So we are here in Romans 12, 19. And I'm going to look at that verse again. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Okay, put that wrath in its rightful place. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Look at verse number 20. He makes it even harder. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So we go back into this whole idea of how do we marry justice and mercy? And then last week we talked a little bit about the whole idea between if a person is a victim, hey, your, your spouse committed adultery on you. The law says they need to be put to death. But now Jesus is saying I should forgive them. Okay, say your spouse was found in adultery. One day they're going to stand before God for that sin. And God's going to be the one that judges them. And God's going to be the one that enacts that justice. I, however, am commanded to forgive. I am commanded to love. I am commanded to restore. Why? Because we're in the same boat standing before God. Just like two brothers. Hey, your two brothers get into a fight. They are both equally the children of me. It's my job to be the one that enacts justice on these children. Does one of them need to be punished? It's my job to do the punishing. It's not one brother's job to punish the other one. Folks, that's the way justice and mercy works. So, 
God, he showed us that. There's, there's one, other, one other avenue that I'll just, I'll just throw it out there. And it's, it's kind of a little bit out of the way, but a little bit not. When we talk about governmental laws, yes, realize the Old Testament law was a governmental law. Just like in Montana, we have something called MCA. That's our Montana law. So the Bible even says over in 1 Peter that that law is a good thing if it's used in the right way. Because, for example, someone comes to your house and robs you, they have to have a standard they're held to. They're held to Montana's law. That's theft. They're going to be charged and they're going to be punished for those things. The God even says that a government doing its job is going to enact justice on those that sin. Anyway, that's, that's actually a different conversation. I just wanted to say that's kind of part of it, but kind of not. We're talking about the two between justice and mercy. So I want to tell you this, and then, then we'll be done. We'll actually be done about 15 minutes early. And maybe we can even have a moment for a question or two. But I just want to say this. Justice and mercy are both in the Bible. Justice lies with God. Love, forgiveness, and mercy, that's something that I'm commanded to forgive. It doesn't mean justice goes out the window. It just means that's between them two. I have to do what I'm commanded to do, and they have to do what they're commanded to do, even though I'm as the victim. So w with that, why don't we just have a quick word of prayer? We'll close it out, and then if there is any questions, I'll... I'll let you have a moment for that. But I just, I just feel like we need to close this with prayer because this is something I think that affects all of us in some way. And we'll ask the Lord to help us do it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to follow through with this ruling that you've given us. Lord, it's so easy for us to feel the hurt of being a victim of sin. And when we truly are a victim of sin, we want nothing more than justice and vengeance. But I pray that you would help us to understand that you, that's something that lies with you. Help me to forgive where I'm supposed to forgive. And help me to restore where I'm supposed to restore. And Lord, may I understand that you gave the standard so we would have something to look at. So I pray you'd help us all with this thing. I know we all deal with it. But Lord, may we just rest in your perfect will and your perfect way. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for it's in your name. Amen. All right. Well, folks, that's, that's all we have by way, of, uh, by way of the lesson itself. Are there any... With this, I just don't want to leave anything unclear. Was there any questions about how, how we presented that, the difference between the law and, and mercy and justice? Okay. All right. Well, guys, then that's all we have for today. Don't forget that um, flyer I made for the, for the Creation Museum and for the Ark. Those are sitting up front right in front of the coffee pot. I had them up here, but I moved them in the back. I wanted you to have the opportunity to grab them as you go by. Uh, the prices that are on there, that is for number one, we get a group rate discount because there's so many of us going. And number two, that also includes meals. That includes lunch for both days while you're there. So all that's mixed in with that. Um, so feel free to grab one of those, and um, we'll talk about that more later on, just so you'll be ready for it. Okay, guys, we love you. That's all we have for today, and we're dismissed. <laughs>